Are you ready? It's time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. You heard it. It is time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Gray, here with my co-host, Tom Abbey. Hello, everyone. A little hiatus last week, but we're back. And we have an NFL-heavy show tonight, Tom, right? Yeah, we're going to wrap up our NFL division by division, AFC South, AFC West, and AFC East, touch in a little bit on the Northern Trust, the beginning of the playoffs, if if you're into that kind of thing. Talking about playoffs. And then next week is going to be the opposite, big college preview show. We've revamped our college division um, format. We're going to do the Big 12, Big 10, and SEC along with our NCAA predictions. And Week Zero picks. And Week Zero picks. There is live games that count going to be selected on the show next week. So I'm excited. I don't know about you. No need to uh, curb your enthusiasm. Let it rip. Yeah, let's fly. All right. Uh, we'll kick off the show tonight with a little preview of the Northern Trust Open at, taking place at Liberty National Golf Club in New York. It's uh, a beautiful setting. And should be a fun event. And we were spending a little time talking about who do you look at here for uh, historically successful players at Liberty National. So let's talk a little bit about the people that have had success here in the past, uh, starting with Patrick Reed, who won here in 2019. And when you go back and you look at you know how they performed and, and what got them there, it appears that the strokes gained tee to green thing is a big big issue at liberty national um that's what's led to the winners uh patrick reed adam scott in 2013 um so you know those those things are very important uh going into this event so we're going to kind of take a look down that path i believe as as a, a great opportunity here so um what do you see tom in this event anything that stands out to you no i, I think it's exactly it i think when you're looking at some of the guys who have been there um, the tee to green, nice drive, not necessarily super long, but length helps, and then getting the ball in position to putt well. Absolutely. So, you know, you know how we work this, right? We look for guys that, that might carry some value and, you know, continue to do that here. And, and I'll jump right in. Patrick Reed's plus 5,000 to win the event. Um, he's got a history of winning here. He's uh, also got a history of playing his best in big moments. And as the playoffs kick off, it's going to be a great opportunity for him to, uh, you know, jump right out. I think plus five thousand is a solid play for Patrick Reed here. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm into that. There's um there's a lot. So the one thing I did read a lot about this week was the at these events, the winners usually come from the top when we get to the playoffs. Um, the, over the last few um, years, the playoff winners have been. Usually, people ranked in the top twenty uh, going into it. Yeah, and they can kind of continue on that. Um, so you kind of got to look at that, and then when you take into consideration the T degree, it brings me to Patrick Cantlay, uh, third in T degree this year. You can get him at plus thirty three hundred, really nice number for him, and uh, you know take a take a shot. He's just on that fringe of that twenty cutoff. So, yeah, I mean it, it makes a lot of sense there. Um, do you have anybody else that you're you're into this week? Yeah, so you know I think everyone's 
betting Colin Morikawa from everything I've seen. Yeah, he's just he's the best at tee to green. Um, he's played well at this course before. Uh, but another one that I like is Webb Simpson, also at plus thirty three hundred. Another another one that's on that, you know, top ten to fifteen, and has the game to do well at this course. All right, um, I like Hideki Matsuyama at plus forty five hundred. Uh, he's eleventh on the PGA Tour in strokes gained tee to green. Yeah. And uh, I think that's just a really good price on a guy who strikes the ball as well as anyone. And, you know, just this season he has shown that he can overcome his putting woes at times. And when he does, uh, he, he's very, very difficult to beat. So I think he makes a lot of sense here at that kind of price tag. He's playing with house money the rest of the season, really, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Win a major, you're free to let it rip. No doubt about it. And, uh, you know, as you look at this strokes and tee degree thing, there's a, there's a few guys that are near the top of that board. Um, Keegan Bradley is one. Um, he's fourth on the PGA Tour in this category, and he's plus 8,000 in this event. So, you know, again, another guy, if the putter gets going, uh, he's going to be he's going to be difficult to beat. So yeah, Keegan Bradley's not known known as like a closer for these big tournaments. So maybe somebody you want to put money on to be in the top ten. Exactly, someone to hang around and be there Sunday. Exactly, and when you look at it, top ten for Keegan Bradley plus nine hundred. So you can get nine to one to get him in the top ten. So not not a bad price at all right. there. Um, so I mean, those are the kind of angles that we would look at here for this weekend. You know. It, I, I wouldn't say that I, I love anything right now in this event, but, you know, if I'm going to get a little action on it, that's that's the direction that I'm going to go as those guys who strike the ball very well. And, you know, like Tom said, you, you don't necessarily see guys coming from way off the board for these. The guy who's ranked, you know, 120 in the world doesn't usually yeah. come out and win this event and then move on. So right. um, you don't see a lot of shaking up here. So next week they go to... Uh, the BMW Championship, is that right? Yeah, BMW Championship. And that's in, what's it called? Caves something or other in Maryland. So I'm not familiar with the venue, so I'll have to do a little research this week. And then the Tour Championship right after that. So. Yeah, so you need to get into the top 70 this week to advance to the BMW Championship. And then the top 30. And right? then the top 30, yeah. I, You know, the playoff for me has never got me super excited in golf. Yeah, but it does add some intrigue to events that historically didn't carry as much juice, except the Tour Championship. Yeah. So you know, it adds some more interest to a couple more events. A lot of money. And then we've got the Ryder <laughs> Cup down the road here in a month, a month and a half. So not very long, and that's one one of the most fun sporting events, not of golf, just of sports. Oh yeah, there is to watch, and one of the best gambling events there is. Yeah, all the different matchups you can play, round in, round out. It is just. What a great time to be a person. Convincing yourself to wager against the USA is a very difficult thing, though. And I would guard against it. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to root for yourself to win at that point, so you might as well just I lay know. off. So you just, just find off. the matchups that you think the USA can win yeah, and then bet on those if you want to have the most fun. If yeah. you are strictly about the money, then, you know, fine. Find, find edges wherever you can, but... Yeah. You know, I, I have a hard time doing that because I want to be excited about the team that's winning. And how am I going to, you know, have a hundred bucks on, you know, somebody from Europe, Rory McIlroy, to beat, you know, Patrick Reed, and no. and be okay with that? Like, not in that venue on a normal weekend every time, but yeah, yeah, exactly. in that in that environment, Patrick Reed's wearing the red, white, and blue, baby. Let's go. Yeah. All right. Let's talk a little bit about the NFL, Tom. 
it's getting closer. We've had preseason action flying left and right now. Yeah, absolutely, left and right. It's been it's crazy. I mean, today's Wednesday. We got more preseason starting up tomorrow for yeah preseason week two. So absolutely, and uh, you know what? Before we even uh, before we even dive into the uh, actual team previews here. I'm going to say that I'm going to bet on the Philadelphia Eagles tomorrow night at plus two against New England. I just, I like the situation. <laughs> I like a young coach that didn't win in week one, uh, playing against a New England team that probably doesn't really care about whether they win or lose in the preseason. And they're getting two points and you know that I'm all about it. So let's, let's get on the Eagles guys and, uh, and cash a winner here in the preseason. Yeah. I mean, you got a nice combo of Hertz and Flacco. Yeah, you know, I mean, that, that's the thing you guys got to look at. If you decide to bet preseason games, which you know, bless you, um, if you do, you have to be looking past that starting lineup because the starters are not playing that long. And and let's talk about one of the angles that a lot of people really like here, and it's a team that lost in week one of the preseason playing against a team that won in week one of the preseason. You know, t- coaches like to win, and yeah. they don't want to go winless throughout the preseason. Enter the regular season going. Oh, we didn't win any preseason games, but, you know, you want to get your teams that competitive edge and feeling excited and, you know, understanding what that pressure feels like late, even if those are third string guys that are out there. Right. You want that team atmosphere and that understanding of how things operate late in the game. So uh, I think that I I think that uh, Sirianni there in in Philadelphia is going to try to get his first win. Um, And I think he's going to do it against uh, New England tomorrow night. Man, some of these over-under numbers are brutal. I know. Uh, Cincinnati at the Washington football team, 34-and-a-half. Yeah. Yep. Take the under. And Friday night, there's a lot of there's a couple of games as well. So you got KC in Arizona and Cincinnati and Washington football team. So um, sounds like they're narrowing down the uh, name choices for the football team. So um, three, three allegedly remain. Folks, we have... A game Thursday, two on Friday, a slate of games Saturday, two on Sunday, and Monday night football. All right. Jacksonville and Trevor Lawrence versus New Orleans. Yeah, I'm going to have stuff to watch all weekend. It's going to be great. feel good about it. All right, what division are we going with first time? AFC South. AFC South, all right. Intriguing division. You have um, a couple of teams that have been playing really well with the Titans. Um, do you want to kick off right with them? Uh, no. Start at, start at the bottom. Uh, the Jags? Jaguar step chart is what I'm pulling up right now here to talk a little bit about. So it, it begins with Trevor Lawrence. I mean, they, they went and got him. He's the starter. They've made no bones about it. It's yeah, not a secret, and I like what they're doing with it. Let's just get it out there and take our lumps if we have them and see what he's got. Yeah, and, you know, when you look at this Jaguars team, you see a lot of players that you can be excited about. Um, you know, they add Marvin Jones. They add Travis Etienne. James Robinson had a really nice rookie season. Yeah. DJ Shark is continuing to develop. And LaVisca Chenault, I think he's going to be an explosive weapon here again this year. You know, he he's starting to grow yeah, uh, as a second-year player this year. I expect more out of him. And they use him kind of like in a gadget role. He takes sweeps. He takes handoffs. He takes um, reverses. He catches short yeah. screen passes, bubbles. Um, and then he runs crossers. And, and this is a guy that's a weapon for them. So I think it's going to be exciting to see what this team can become this year. Do I expect them to win a ton of games? Maybe not. 
um, you know, with Urban Meyer taking over and trying to, you know, get a handle on the NFL in season one. But, you know, it, it is a team with a lot of exciting players, and they've added Roy Robertson Harris on, on the D line. Um, you know, Josh Allen, the outside linebacker, not the quarterback in Buffalo. Uh, Miles Jack in that linebacker unit. Uh, Caleb on Chason, who was a first round draft pick last year. There's there's just so many good things about this team. Yeah, it's one of those things where uh, they're a team in transition. So with those teams, you can expect some highs and you can expect some lows. Uh, you add in a rookie quarterback, and you can expect the highest of highs and the lowest of lows probably for them for this season. Yeah, their defense is is good, not great. Um, their secondary is iffy. They got some weird things going on with C.J. Henderson. Um, interesting stuff going yeah, on there. I'm not sure what's going to happen there. And I'm, I, the weird thing is I haven't really heard the genesis of this. He just kind of is on the outs and looking to get moved. I don't know. Right. So, um, you know, the, they have a lot of young players. That, they're going to be a fun team to watch, if for nothing else, to see. Lawrence and ATN and how that that goes in the pro level and yeah. to see what Urban brings out and what kind of you know offense he wants to run and you know right. it, you would think it'd be look like Ohio State but you, you never really know um, until you start watching them on Sundays. Yeah, let's go to Houston, Tom, and talk about David Cully's squad down there, hey. uh, where currently they have Tyrod Taylor listed as the number one quarterback. Uh, they have Jeff Driscoll as number two currently and Davis Mills at three. Uh, Deshaun Watson is no longer appearing in the top three on their depth chart. Yeah, it's such a, a weird thing where you have a very good quarterback, but you can't count on him to be there. So right. you, you kind of have to move on with what you have and see what happens. I, I kind of like their running back room in uh, Mark Ingram and Philip Lindsay and David Johnson and Rex Burkhead. Yeah, they, like, have, they have a lot of guys that can do a lot of different things, so you can mix and match, which, yeah. which in the NFL can definitely um, do well for you. They're a fantasy nightmare for drafting a running back, though. For drafting anything. Their wide receivers are... Brandon Cooks, Nico Collins, a third-round pick this year, is number is showing as a, a starter on their depth chart currently, yeah. ahead of Anthony Miller, Chris Conley, um, Alex Erickson, and Kiki QT. Yeah. So it's Interesting. <laughs> their tight ends don't impress me. Jordan Akins and Farrell Brown. Their offensive line um, outside of Tunsil last year was a mess. Yeah. They're pretty much bringing them all back. They did upgrade with Justin McCray, but everybody else is back. It's, it's Right. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. And then on the defensive side of the ball, you've got Malik Collins. Um, you've got Brandon Dunn on the interior of the defensive line. Whitney Merciless and Jordan Jenkins are the DNs. Kevin Pierre-Lewis, Zach Cunningham, Christian Kirksey um, in the linebacker room, and then Terrence Mitchell, Eric Murray, Justin Reed, Bradley Roby in the cornerback room. Vernon Hargrave is also part of that cornerback room. Uh, so I uh, I do not love it. I do not love no. their defense at all. No, their defense isn't good. Their offensive line is suspect, and their their wide receivers have you know dropped a long way since, since two years ago. Um it's really one of those things where you can't expect much out of this team. Uh, Andre Johnson's not walking through that door. You know, no, nobody is. I mean, the, think of all the star players that have left this team in the last five years. It's crazy when you when you add in Clowney and Watt and Hopkins and like it's just nuts. Yeah. So many good players have come here and been drafted here and, and just they're gone. Right. 
All right. Thanks, Bill um, Ryan. Uh, you know, I think we're looking at a team that might win two to three games. That it's just yeah. where they seem like they're they're at right now. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a mess. And uh, sorry for all you Texans fans out there. Yeah. Uh, Tennessee. Uh, Ryan Tannehill returns as the starting quarterback with Derrick Henry, who's obviously a tank in the backfield. Uh, their wide receiver room is where the big changes have happened here. And I like the changes that have taken place in that receiver room. Uh, A.J. Brown will return with Julio Jones, and now Josh Reynolds also added as a free agent. I am a fan of Josh Reynolds. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's a nice addition. Um, behind those guys, though, is where it gets really questionable. You've got those three, and then I'm not sure what's coming behind that. Uh, Marcus Johnson. Uh, Nick Westbrook, Akini, Chester Rogers, Cameron Batson, Racy McMath. I mean, they did draft Des Fitzpatrick. Yeah, right now he's showing as a fourth stringer <laughs> yeah. on the depth chart. Woof. Uh, offensive line is, uh, you know, a, a bit aged. Um, Taylor Lewan seems to consistently have some health issues. He, he misses games. It seems like every year. Roger Saffold. I feel like he's been around since the St. Louis Rams. Um, ben Jones, um, you know, could be fine, I guess. Yeah, I think the offensive line is, is going to be um, good, if not, you know, better than good. They're not they're not all names, you know, but Taylor Lawan is a great run blocker. Yeah. Saffold has a little bit of that to him, and Ben Jones as well is – these guys are veteran guys that they're going to be able to They're going to run with power over the left side a lot. Oh, uh, yeah. Just like they have for the last four seasons. Yeah. <laughs> Their uh, tight end room, uh, Jeff Swaim, uh, Anthony Ferkser, Luke Stocker. Yeah. And then they've got the rookie Miller Forrestall. He's listed as fourth right now on the depth chart. I'd be surprised if he's that low. The tight end is where, where they took a hit from last year. Obviously, John o. Smith moving on. Yeah. And he was a big part of their offense. He was. Super tough to defend. A great inline blocker can get out and make plays. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if they just go away from using the tight end completely. I know right. Fixer has a little bit of hype for some of his speed and blocking, but um, you know the additions of Julio Jones and Josh Reynolds should curtail yeah. any of that need. On the defensive side, there are some question marks there about how good they're going to be. Um, is Bud Dupree going to be healthy coming off his injury and, and be able to contribute at, at the level that they're going to need? I've been a fan of Jeffrey Simmons since he was drafted in 2019. I think he'll continue to develop and get better. Um, you know, Danico Autry at the other DN, they've had a real problem getting a pass, pass rush yeah. over the last several years, so they spent some money to get Bud Dupree in the room. Um, yeah, and last year they tried to solve it with Clowney, and it just didn't work with his health. And right. So. Harold Landry's going to rush as well, yeah. um, so he'll be he'll be part of that that pass rush group. And you know he's shown some promise, but but never really gotten to the potential that people thought he had in the 2018 draft. Uh, the secondary has Janoris Jenkins and Christian Fulton, second year player on LSU. I expect a big step forward from him. Um, Kevin Byard and Amani Hooker as the safeties. Uh, so. You know, the, the secondary room, I, I, I'm okay with it. Yeah, they, they brought in some young guys. They've got Caleb Farley, of course. Elijah Molden and, and Brady Breeze. Three, they drafted three guys for the secondary to help it out. Yeah. Get some young blood in there to, to kind of provide depth this year and then hopefully grow into those roles. So um, I think the secondary's fine. 
Their run defense is going to be good with with uh, Simmons up front and those. Uh, Rashawn Evans and Jan Brown are really good against the run, but it's that middle passing that they yeah. struggle with. And then getting after the quarterback is, is an issue for them. I'm excited to see Darrington Evans get to step into a bigger role with the, the departure of Deion Lewis. Um, you know, he'll kind of fill that that third down kind of uh, scat back type of role, and he'll return kicks. And uh, he was an exciting player out of App State. So um, I'm kind of interested. You know, that's just a name to watch on the roster that, that could make some fun and explosive plays for you. And finally, Indy. Indianapolis. Where uh, injuries are a plenty already. Yeah, bit problematic. <laughs> bit problematic. You got to be concerned about, uh, you know, the Quentin Nelson injury, uh, which scares me almost as much as the Carson Wentz injury. <laughs> um, but Jacob Eason looked good in his first preseason game. He lit it up. Um, let's see if that kind of thing continues. They I do don't have know. An interesting quarterback group with Eason, Ellinger, and Brett Hundley. All all young guys here. Yeah. And then Wentz, obviously, they're hoping for a return to form with Frank Reich at the calling the plays again. So, hey, and let's let's make no bones about it. This this team is going to be good if they can run the ball, um, which they will. <laughs> you know, that's what they're going to do a lot. You yes. know, the question is, um, will Holden at left tackle right now? Um, Eric Fisher was signed, but he's still on PUP. Um, I would expect that he will eventually be the starting left tackle there alongside Quentin Nelson yeah, and, that's and Ryan Kelly at center. You know, so no, no. Eric Fisher and Quentin Nelson next to each other on the left side is just nasty. It is. It's, it's going to be and, something everyone's going to have to deal with. And, and defensively, they're, they're rock solid. And I love the addition of Quiddy Pay, um, who's immediately stepping in as a starter on their depth chart, uh, which is pretty impressive. Um, Darius Leonard got paid, uh, rightfully so. Got the bag. Yeah. Um, TJ Carey and uh, Xavier Rhodes in the secondary. It's um, a little, little uh, interesting because Rhodes has had his struggles the last couple of years in Minnesota, been picked yeah. on a little bit. Yeah. So Bobby Okariki is a pretty solid middle linebacker. Um, Zaire Franklin, they, they seem to, to find names that aren't at the top of the list to perform very well with this defense, though. Yeah, they get a lot of athletic linebackers yeah. that can make sideline to sideline and just you know chase the ball, and uh, because of that, they're always around it and making making big plays. Yeah, absolutely. All right, what division are we going to next, Tom? Next, we have the AFC West. The AFC West. All right, let's talk a little bit about let's see, we're with Denver, right? Yeah, we'll yeah. start with Denver. Um, Quarterback controversy over. Good job, Drew Locke. Yeah, did he? You think he's going to get that job? Or he looked really good. Um, what he had a perfect quarterback rating, just in his uh, yeah. preseason performance. Right now, Bridgewater's still listed ahead of him on the depth chart, but I think yeah. it's a one-one-a kind of thing right now until they they make their decision. I, I think this is the one where they want Drew Locke to win it, and they brought Bridgewater in for competition and uh, to play backup, and they just you know they just need Drew Locke not to uh, vomit all over himself in preseason, and he'll be their guy. Yeah. Um, I love some of the names on their depth chart. Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, Tim Patrick, um, Tyree Cleveland. There are a lot of names that I really like in that wide receiver room. I, th I think that 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 group could become a really good one. Um, maybe not as good as their tight end is going to become. Noah Fant is really coming into his own. I, I think this guy is going to be a top five tight end in fantasy this year. 
and uh, eventually in the league he'll be he'll be seen as one of the top two, three tight ends in this league uh, behind Kelsey and George Kittle. Uh, I think that he's and really Waller. he's really right in that second yeah. tier. But I, th- I think Fant does a little bit more than Waller. I, you know, Waller's a great receiving tight end. Um, I don't think his blocking is really the same on the same level as Noah Fant. So what I like about Fant is he's in that same mold as Kittle and Kelsey, where he can block too. Um, so, you know, if you're just looking at statistics, yeah, Waller's going to be ahead of that group. But um, Garrett Bowles uh, took a big step forward um, a couple years ago. And now he looks like he's yeah, he's got it, and he's a, an all-pro left tackle. Um, Dalton Risner, Lloyd Cushenberry was a really fun prospect coming out of LSU. I uh, was a big fan of Graham Glasgow, uh, now there to play right guard, and Calvin Anderson at right tackle, which is a bit concerning anytime you have a uh, former New York Jet playing right tackle for you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this Quinn off- Miners, too, is on their roster. Yeah. This offense is – they have the weapons to be very good. Yeah. And it's all about the quarterback and the play, the level of play they get out of them. They, they have weapons on, on at wide receiver that are uh, different in skill. Jerry Judy is just really great at running routes. Cortland Sutton is, is big and physical, and Hamler's fast. you got a little bit of everything there. Noah Fant is a difference maker at tight end. Their running back room. Melvin Gordon. Melvin Javante Gordon. Williams. Rolls-Royce Freeman. I mean, you have, again, a, a bunch of weapons, you know. Um, it's just all how how well will Bridgewater, Locke, whoever it ends up being, play. Yeah. And uh, they're in a tough division, obviously, um, as we're going to get to here. But, yeah. Uh, they're, they could be very good. It's just all on Drew Locke and what that offense can do there. And now the defensive side of the ball, you've got Big Mike Purcell, a lot of people are fans of. Um, Shelby Harris has been solid. Uh, Von Miller is entering his what tenth, eleventh season in the NFL. Yeah. Um, does he still have the the explosion that he needs to to make plays? You know, I can kind of see him being in the mold of where Cameron Wake was a few years back with, in his final season in Miami, where you know he still gets eight or nine sacks, you know, and has yeah. those moments. Um, but he's not going to be the dominant player he once was. Uh, Bradley Chubb is rock solid, obviously, and and has a chance to be very good. Um, he's entering his fourth season, so now it's time to uh, time to get get a move on here uh, with your career, son. Um, Alexander Johnson, I, I like Josie Jewell and some of what he brings to the table um, as a linebacker. Uh, their secondary, they don't even have their cornerbacks. I mean, they've got Ronald Darby, Bryce Callahan, uh, Parnell Motley. They they don't really have a clear depth chart set up though for their yeah. for their corners. So yeah, you're gonna see Kyle Fuller and Darby mm-hmm. and probably Patrick Sertan as like the the three main ones you look at. Patrick Sertan, how much fun that <laughs> he gets a pick six in his first game. It's not not a bad start. The, he's he's nasty. And then Justin Simmons is just amazing. Yeah. Um, him and Kareem Jackson are very good safety duo. Um, so overall, this roster could take a big step forward from where they were. Yeah, it, it, can the quarterback play hold up? Can they stay healthy on defense? Because that was this thing last year. They got some guys hurt, and it was there was nothing behind them. Uh, yeah. the, I know that speaking from experience, with the Bills finally got to play Denver, their defense was a shell of what it was to start the season. Yeah, um, you put that in with a some shaky performances by Drew Locke, and you you have some big losses, which they did have towards the end of the year. Yeah, so inconsistency has been the problem. So now let's talk about uh, the Los Angeles Chargers. I'm finally getting used to that, Tom. It's taken yeah. a couple of years, but I'm, I'm getting used to it now. 
Uh, Justin Herbert in year two. Um, returns a lot of what he had before with the addition of Rayshon Slater uh, to help protect that blind side, which was a big need. Um, there's still some other – Corey Lindsley now at center. Um, you know, still some question marks. Brian Balaga at right tackle. They, they went to address that, that's for sure. That They were attacking, uh, protecting Justin Herbert. Um, I like Austin Eckler a lot. I think that he could have a great season this year. Um, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Tyron Johnson, Jalen Guyton. Eventually, I think there's going to need to be more weapons in that wide receiver room for this group, but I think they're sufficient for this season. I like Josh Palmer. Yeah. yeah a lot I, of people do. I've heard that. I've heard uh, that name. It's it's one of these things where, you know, he's a third-round pick. You expect him to come in and play a little bit. Uh, well, Mike Williams, as usual, has been hurt at camp and sitting out, and Josh Palmer has been turning heads. So yeah. uh, we'll see if he gets some run, and especially if Mike – you know, misses games during the regular season. Yeah. Uh, then on the defensive side of the ball, you got Joey Bosa. Is he going to stay healthy? Um, if he does, you know, exciting. He's he's one of the best in the league. Yeah, it's good. Uh, Jerry Tillery on the inside, you oh, know, we, we like that guy. Linval Joseph, uh, another guy that can add value. Justin Jones. Um, they've got Uchenna Nuasu as one of the edge rushers. Kenneth Murray, the Oklahoma uh, second-year player. Um, Drew Tranquil seems to be playing very well uh, coming into his third year. Um, they drafted Asante Samuel. Uh, Asante Samuel Jr., yes. <laughs> of course, they didn't redraft Asante Samuel. Hey, come on back. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got Nasir, Nasir Adderley, and then, of course, Derwin James, who is uh, a superstar. Uh, yeah, so a couple problems with their defense last year. Uh, Kenneth Murray. Um, had flashes, but also as a rookie linebacker, had mistakes. Know, some times where he was just lost. And then the corner opposite of Chris Harris was a problem last year. So I think that's why, you know, they have Michael Davis penciled in now, but that's why you went and got Asante Samuel Jr. is because you need an option B and you need it fast if, if, if Michael Davis is not up to go. Because with Durant and Chris Harris and Tillery and Bosa, you have a really good defense in oh, place. Yeah. So. Uh, you can't have, like, a glaring hole in that secondary that's going to hurt you. What it feels like to me, Tom, though, is it, it's really good one deep, and then I feel like it gets very thin behind it. Some teams have the ability to plug players in and, and still maintain high production levels, but uh, that's the biggest issue that I felt like with San Diego, San Diego and no. now Los Angeles, right? <laughs> no, seriously, like, going yeah. back to the San Diego days, it's always felt like they always lose some star in the preseason to injury or early in the season, and then they can never fill that gap. And uh, that seems to have been, a, like, a historic problem. You know, you lose Bosa, you lose Derwin James, you lose every year somebody goes sure. down that's a major contributor for them, and then it feels like you've dropped off a cliff with whoever's plugging in behind them. So um, are they able to address those issues and, and become a deeper team I'll tell you um, what, and maybe get coached up a little better? I don't like their odds of being in games if Justin Herbert goes down with that backup quarterback room. Chase Daniel and Easton Stick. I know, and Easton Stick did not look good in the preseason game at all. Uh, Chase Daniel, he's he's a career uh, clipboard guy. Yeah, but Justin Herbert is a physical freak, and I guess that's kind of what they're what they're uh, going to hang their hat on is our boy's going to stay healthy. Yeah, I mean, again, another team similar to Denver with a with a lot of nice pieces. Son not of a bitch, I just bit my tongue in that sneeze. <laughs> Not a super deep team, so there's some concerns there. And, again, the, the top, you know, as, as you're moving up this division, you have the Chiefs. And, you know, you have to compete with them, and that, that's not easy. Right. And, you know, 
let's say Drew Locke figures it out. Yeah. Let's say he figures it out and becomes Ryan Tannehill. You know, takes that kind of career progression. Denver's going to be a bitch to deal with in that division alongside Kansas City. And, you know, Las Vegas is no joke either, and let's go there now. Like, literally, let's get on a plane and go to Las Vegas. (laughs) Vegas it is. All right. Let's talk about the room in Las Vegas. And, you know, you look at the additions. Let's talk about the major changes. Alex Leatherwood, they drafted. Some people thought it was a reach. Uh, to draft him here, they're going to plug and play him at, at right tackle right away. You know, good for them. I, you know, they like what they see in him, and he fits what they what they want. And um, you know, that, that's a good thing when 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 you can do that. It looks like they they spent a lot of their assets on the defensive side of the ball, which is a need. You know, that, that they had a lot of success offensively last year. They've got, of course, Josh Jacobs. Um, Henry Ruggs, is he going to take another step forward? Brian Edwards was great last year in camp, um, and now this year in camp again. Um, Hunter Renfro seems to be steady as can be, and that offensive line has been nasty and angry for a long time. You're just talking about Richie. Yeah, you know, Colton Miller's got that. Got that too, you know. And Rodney Hudson before he left. Unfortunately, that's a big loss for them. Yeah, so they, they have an interesting group of people. They, they give a lot of money to Kenyon Drake to come in and be the number two back, uh, seemingly the number two back, we'll see. Um, you know, they, they bring in John Brown to add a little veteran to the wide receivers and Willie Sneed a little bit. Yeah. Um, so the offense, again, has some, has some players. A lot of it's going to come down to that offensive line. Alex Leatherwood looks like they have him penciled in at starter. Uh, so we'll see at right tackle. So we'll see how this all meshes they have. A little bit of everything on here. Yeah, and on the defensive side of the ball, they drafted Trevon Morig uh, to play safety. They have uh, Max Crosby and Yannick Ngakwe rushing the passer. Um, Quinton Jefferson and Jonathan Hankins inside. Um, Tanner Muse, Nicholas Morrow, and Corey Littleton at the linebacker positions. Then you got Trayvon Mullen, Jonathan Abram, who's an emerging superstar. Yeah. Um, watch him. You know, he suffered an injury last year that sucked. You know, he, he he's starting, and he doesn't necessarily get the publicity that he deserves because he is unbelievably good on the football field. Um, Casey Hayward, Nevin Lawson, um, you know, just a, a lot of guys there that, that sound like they can be a pretty good team here. Um how good is Morig stepping in at safety? A lot of people had him as their top safety on the board yeah. uh, this year. So, um, you know, does Yannick Ngakwe still have what he had in, uh, what was it, 2019 in Jacksonville when he was when he was playing out of his mind? You know, these are questions that need to be answered. I don't think they're there to compete with Kansas City yet, but I think they're still going to be a team that's going to be a fringe playoff team based on what we're seeing here. Yeah, the, the offense is good enough to put up points, and the defense is good enough to have some games where they really step up. But it just seems like watching them last year, they never had a complete game. They never had a complete game where the defense is playing well, the offense is putting up you know, 30, and the defense is keeping someone down to 14, 17 points. Mm-hmm. They're, they're always squeezing these out either because the offense isn't performing or the defense can't stop anyone. Yeah, um, It's a tough way to live. Yeah, uh, you, you know you're, you're going to have games like that, obviously in the NFL. But when you're trying to get into the playoffs and you have 17 like that, it's not it's not a good way to live. So. Right. And uh, let's go to uh, the defending AFC champions, the Kansas City Chiefs. And boy, what an overhaul of their offensive line! 
Yes. And it was, you know, to some degree needed, but I, I you couldn't have told me you could have put this group together this quickly in the way that they did. Orlando Brown at left tackle. Joe Thune, the big left guard from New England. Um, you know, by all accounts, one of the top guards in the game. Yeah. Uh, Creed Humphrey, one of my favorite players in the draft, uh, starting at center right now. Trey Smith, who played tackle at Tennessee. He's penciled in as the starter right now at right guard over Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, who sat out last season during the COVID-19 pandemic because he's a doctor and was helping out. And, and they brought Kyle Long in, too, and I think he'll factor in as well. Yeah, and uh, Lucas Niang at right tackle. Um, so, you know, Lucas Niang didn't give up any pressures in college. He, he had a crazy, crazy career where he, he allowed zero sacks in his entire college career at TCU. So, um, you know, other than that, you're not going to see major changes with this team. The, the, the premier names, Sammy Watkins is gone, but uh, most of the names of the guys who are going to touch the ball, you'll be very familiar with. Yeah. Talk about their defense a little for me, Tom. Um, so this defense starts and f- ends with Chris Jones just wreaking havoc at all times. Yeah. Um, Jerron Reed and uh, Derek Nandi in the middle causing some problems. And then, again, Frank Clark and Chris Jones on the outside just causing problems. The secondary gets picked on a little bit. Um, Taron Matthews is obviously a big playmaker, but he is. Well, Jerry Sneed stepped up in the playoffs last year in a big way. Yeah. Um, Matthew gets a lot of hype because he makes a lot of big plays, but he also lets up a lot of. A lot of pass, a lot of underneath stuff, especially. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the defense is flawed. It's it's you know, it's good enough, and that pass rush is good enough to make the big plays that really turns the tide. And when your offense is going to score thirty every time, you only need a couple. Right. You only need a couple stops here and there. Yeah. Um, Again, I think this is a team that's you know one of the favorites to sure. not only win the AFC but win the Super Bowl. So uh, you can expect this team to bounce back probably from that Super Bowl loss uh, with a very uh, aggressive, attacking, exciting offense as usual. Um, and if that offensive line is what we think it could be with these additions, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire will take another step forward. And uh, I expect this team to be really, really tough to deal with. Uh, week in and week out, when you see the Chiefs on your schedule, you're going to just scratch your head and go, oh, God, here we go. Absolutely. But, uh, all right, we've got one division left, but we're going to take a quick break and uh, come back and wrap up with the AFC East. AFC East. We might know a little something about the AFC East. Our very own. All right, we'll be right back. We are back, and we are about to preview the AFC East, Tom. And uh, we can start with the lowly New Jersey Jets. Yes. New Jersey Jets. Big addition, obviously, Zach Wilson coming in to play quarterback. Um, also, Elijah Vera Tucker in the first round this year as well. So, some new pieces on that offense. Corey Davis in the wide receiver room. Uh, Denzel Mims expected to take a step forward, but I've heard that he is on the cusp of being cut, potentially. <laughs> which is fun for me, because I didn't like him in the draft um, They process. drafted Elijah Moore, who's hurt. Yeah. Soft tissue injury. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Herndon's a nice tight end. Um, yeah, you know he, he he's a good kid in the room. Tevin Coleman, uh, Lamichael P. Ryan, Ty Johnson, and Michael Carter 
um, in the running back room appear to be the four guys who will get some carries this year. I really expect that Michael Carter will get more carries than the fourth he's listed on the depth chart currently. Um, how do you have somebody like that on your roster and not take advantage of his abilities? So, yeah, you know what you're getting in Coleman and P. Ryan. Um, so definitely would mix him in early and then probably more and more as the season goes on. On the defensive side, what are the big additions to you? Do you do you see anything that really stands out? Uh, just CJ, Carl Lawson, C.J. Mosley being back. Yeah, I think is a, is a, a improvement on itself. He's pretty dang good linebacker yeah carl lawson to rush the passer yeah um so those are those are big things for them um you know they, they drafted some some guys from the secondary um they had a lot of draft picks you know um i think hamilcar rashad who's you know showing fourth on the depth chart right now as a pass rusher i think eventually he'll see some situational stuff as a rookie but you can't expect a ton of production there i don't see a major step forward with this group the offensive line uh, has struggled. I think they're taking steps in the right direction because I love the idea of running behind Mackay Beckman and Elijah Vera Tucker. Um, right. If you can, if you can develop a power run game behind those guys, uh, it opens up a lot more opportunities for a young quarterback like Zach Wilson. And does he turn into a stud? I don't know. Um, his wide receivers aren't the kind of guys that are going to make him look that way. So if he looks great this year, I think you're just going to see him get better and better because. You know, I'm not super impressed with what they have there in the wide receiver group. Yeah, this is going to be a team that uh, has a, a long road, right? That the three teams we're going to talk about next ahead of them all have aspirations to be in the playoffs. Uh, this team is young and trying to build. Uh, yeah. So, you know, they'll win some games. Um, they have they have some guys like Quinn and Williams who can make some plays on defense. But I I just I don't see this offense being threatening. None of the running backs scare you. None of the wide receivers scare you. Um, Herndon is good, but he's not a difference maker in right. my opinion. He's he's just a solid tight end. So, uh, you know, the ceiling for this offense is not very high. All right. Even if things go right. Yeah, yeah. Let's go to New England here with uh, Cam Newton and Mac Jones battling it out for the quarterback role. Yeah. It sounds more and more like Mac Jones is gaining ground here in this in this battle. So. That'll be interesting. Uh, you know, kind of an overhaul here um, with Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry being added to the tight end room, Nelson Aguilar, uh, wide receiver, as well as Kendrick Bourne. Uh, up front, uh, you've got, uh, they, you know, they've got Trent Brown at, at right tackle now, Shaq Mason at right guard, uh, David Andrews at center, Michael Anwanu, uh, left guard, and Isaiah Wynn at left tackle. So they're pretty stout up front. Big. Damian Harris had a, you know, he had flashes of showing a guy who could be really good. Yeah. Um, Sony Michelle is still there. James White's still there. James White's still there. Doing his thing. Mm -hmm. Um, The defensive side of the ball is where they could be very dangerous and very difficult. Is there a a better linebacker room in the league? Yes. Um, With Judon, Hightower, Van Noy? Dallas. Yeah, I love that linebacker room too. Um, Judon's a better pass rusher than any of those guys in Dallas, but the side-to-side ability of and speed of those Cowboys yeah. linebackers is nuts. Um, Dietrich Wise, Lawrence Guy, Devon Godshaw um, coming up from Miami. Henry Anderson is a pretty solid pass rusher as well. A terrible person. And then, uh, and then their uh, secondary uh, could be one of the better ones in the league. They're t- yeah, 
they're nasty. J.C. Jackson and Stephon Gilmore at the corners. Adrian Phillips and Devin McCourty at safeties. And then Kyle Duggar uh, will play a major role there yeah. um, on the field quite frequently in a hybrid kind of safety linebacker type of role. Yeah, and they have other pass rushers too now, some young guys who are getting their second year in Anthony Jennings and Josh Uche. Um, so it'll be interesting. Rookie Ronnie Perkins, who I'm yeah. a huge fan of. He looked good in the preseason game. Chase Winovich. I mean, so yeah. they've done a good time, a good job of assembling, you know, not maybe number one picks here, but a lot of good players who were productive in college. When you, with the four of them, if you get two of them to hit, yeah, you're good for a while here. And if you can get a fun rotation going with that, yeah, with you know, they can constantly roll new guys in there on the defensive line, so you don't have to worry about being exhausted and. Uh, they, they can constantly bring the heat at you. Yeah, the the defense is great. Um, the offense is, is suspect. I mean, I, I, the offensive line is, is solid. I don't think it's going to be a problem at all. The two tight ends are great, but the wide receivers, uh, you know, there's, again, nothing there that scares you. Nelson Aguilar comes in. Um, you know, Nikhil Harry's a, a guy they drafted high but really hasn't done anything. Um, Matthew Slater's still there. Kendrick Bourne. And He's Jacoby. a special teams ace. Yeah. He'll be there as long as he wants to be. And J- Kendrick Bourne and Jacoby Myers are just none of those guys are really scaring you in this like, right worrying your secondary at all. Right. It, it's going to be about that controlled passing game, the tight ends taking advantage of matchup issues. Um, you don't expect a high paced game with these guys, so. No. You expect them to be on the ground and, you know, running the ball well and uh, completing passes to their tight ends, crossers and, you know, quick hooks. And there are going to be a lot of ball control drives from these guys, 10, 12 play drives. Yeah, they, they play to their strengths with their defense. Um, if you look at the two games against the Bills last year, the first one in Buffalo, the, the defense did what they're supposed to do. They held them, you know, uh, it was one of the uh, – you know, fewest points they scored all season, and the offense just kept picking up first downs. It just kept picking up first downs, keeping the defense fresh. Um, and then in the second game, um, the offense couldn't get a first down in the first half, and the game got away from them. Yeah. So it, can this offense turn out, even if they're not scoring points on every drive, can they get a first down or two and keep that defense fresh right. and keep the ball away because they're not going to score a lot of points. Right. All right, let's go to my beloved Miami Dolphins, uh, where, you know, there have been plenty of changes there. Tua is going to, he's the guy now. Uh, There's no question about it. Jacoby Brissett will back him up this year. And, uh, you know, some of the additions, they had a lot of draft picks this year. Um, You know, a couple of of high ones. Yeah, a couple of free agent moves and uh, adding Will Fuller to the wide receiver room. He's not currently practicing. Right. Devontae Parker, not currently practicing. Albert Wilson, not currently practicing. <laughs> so the top three in their depth chart right now in the wide receiver room are not practicing, not participating, but all are expected to be ready for week one. So, you know, that's a big thing there. I think they may just be playing it slow with these guys to be sure that, uh, Will, you know, Will Fuller won't be ready for week one. He's suspended still, so um, he'll miss the first week. And, uh, you know, they're, they talk, they keep talking about the beat writers in Miami, how deep their wide receiver room is. And, you know, you look, you look as many as like seven, eight deep in this wide receiver room, nine deep potentially, that are guys that could be on NFL rosters playing every day right now. Uh, Mac Hollins 
continues to force his way up the depth chart as a uh, special teams ace, and he keeps making big catches and uh, showing himself as uh, a very valuable piece here, a depth piece in the wide receiver room. I'm fairly certain he will make the roster because of that. Uh, Jalen Waddell has shown flashes of brilliance already uh, throughout camp. He's explosive and difficult to deal with constantly. Tua seems to have performed well. I think that really a lot of the season is going to come down to how much they can get out of this offensive line. Uh, you have a bunch of second-year guys in uh, Robert Hunt, Austin Jackson, and then you've got the veteran Jesse Davis at right tackle, rookie Liam Eikenberg right now at left guard, and uh, third-year player Michael Dieter, who's been you know part of this team uh, since he was drafted and appears to be taking a big step forward and will we'll, uh, run with that starting center job, apparently. Um, running back is pretty weak. Miles Gaskin, Malcolm Brown, and Savan Ahmed uh, right now are the top three guys on that depth chart and uh, doesn't appear to be changing anytime soon. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, Christian Wilkins, Raekwon Davis, Emmanuel Agba up front. Um, Zach Sealer will get plenty of time as well in there. He's, uh, he's shown himself to deserve more time. John Jenkins will get time um, on the interior of the defensive line. Adam Butler, they're kind of in a, in a big rotation with their three defensive linemen. Um, Jerome Baker uh, just got a contract extension. They added Bernardrick McKinney in the offseason. Um, you know, they've got that thumper at middle linebacker now that they can count on uh, to try and slow down these run games. Um, Andrew Van Ginkle will uh, create some edge rush off the edge. Vince Beagle is expected to as well. But they have first-round pick Jalen Phillips, uh, who just returned to practice today after being out with a, a minor injury. Uh, so I'm excited there. And you've got second-round pick Javon Holland in the secondary. So, um, you know, a lot of changes, a lot of uh, fun changes for me. Uh, I'm just looking for them to build on what they did last season, uh, which was unexpectedly uh, competed for the playoffs down to the last week of the season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this this secondary is is really good. I mean, you have two corners that could give them the best corner duo in, in football. Uh, there's a couple other ones like uh, New England, maybe, who can yeah. say something about that. But with Byron Jones and Xavier Howard, uh, really good pair of corners there. And then Eric Rowe and McCourty at safety. Eric Rowe is uh, perhaps the best tight end cover safety in the NFL. He's statistically he just locks up tight ends. So you you have that that gives you a lot of opportunity to, um, you know, get after the passer because you're going to have some good coverage behind you. So uh, some creative blitzes and things like that you're able to do because you're not scared about getting beat behind you. They play a lot of cover zero, um, which not many teams in the NFL have the guts to do anymore. You know, that kind of went out in the 80s and 90s um, where guys are just bringing blitzes and playing man coverage behind it. Yeah. You just don't see that a whole lot in the NFL. The The Dolphins are not afraid to bring seven or eight at you and uh, just play man coverage across the field, which is, you know, a rarity in, in the NFL nowadays. Yeah, you put the onus on the offense to get rid of the ball quick and make a play. Um, yeah. That, that's what you have to do against that. And when you have those corners, if you're getting the ball quick to the outside, they're going to be there. Yeah. Um, so they can get the hand on the ball. Or Xavier Howard led the league in interceptions last year because of it. Yeah. So you, you have that ability. Um, you know, I agree. I think the defense is solid. I think the offense, um, how, how much does Tua develop? And what can the offensive line do to help him with that? 
Absolutely. I'm very concerned about the run game. The offensive line has not gotten much push. Um, they seem to be okay at protecting the passer. Yeah. Um, but if you don't have a run game, eventually guys are going to start getting after the passer. You know, that, It's just the nature of the business. If you can't create some kind of balance, uh, generally you run into some trouble. So um, that's my big concern in Miami. Um, you know, ideally for me, you know, 10 and 7, 11 and 6, 12 and 5 would be a fantastic season. Uh, so, you know, if, if we can get to 10 wins, feel like we're, we're headed in the right direction with this group. Uh, just needs to, it really feels like there needs to be a few more additions up front here. I'm, I'm very concerned about. Yeah, additions or just time. You know, like yeah. you had said, uh, you know, Michael Dieter is only, this is his third season. Eichenberg's a rookie. Jackson and Hunter are only in their second year. First year of the full training camp. So, yeah. you know, you have a lot of youth there that's, that's going to improve. Uh, O-line is one of the things you can almost count on improvement year to year. Yeah. Because um, so much of the – these guys have the physical tools. They wouldn't be in the league without yeah. them. So, so much of it is just understanding how to how to use their leverage, how to pick up blitzes, how to communicate. So, Don't be surprised by a – trade prior to the season starting here of one of the Dolphins receivers um, I don't think it'll be Devontae Parker at this point I think that uh, Jakeem Grant is the most likely candidate to be traded because he offers so much in the special teams game he's one of the best returners there is and he's got explosive speed so don't be surprised to see him get traded somewhere for a second uh, uh, you know tier two offensive lineman to help bolster that group. Um, they'll either do that through guys that get cut or they will be trading one of their receivers because they just have too many and they don't want to give them away by cutting them. Sure. Let's move to Buffalo. Not literally. I mean, we're close enough as it is. Yeah, we're But close. Uh, the Buffalo Bills, and uh, I'm going to hand the mic to Tom here to uh, talk to me about what he sees out of his Buffalo Bills this year. You know, on offense, it's a lot of the same faces from last year's uh, offense. Um, big switch is John Brown leaving, Emmanuel Sanders coming right in. I think Emmanuel Sanders is different than John Brown. Um, he offers you more in variety, uh, but it does not have the same you know deep threat that uh, John Brown offered. The wide receivers are going to be there. Diggs, Beasley, Gabriel Davis, the hero of the Colts playoff game last season. Um the offensive line is all pretty much intact from last year. Dawkins, Feliciano, Mitch Morse, Cody Ford, and Daryl Williams uh, coming back with a big contract. Um, tight end is a question mark still for them. They have the young guy, Dawson Knox. Everyone keeps waiting for him to take a step forward. Um, they bring in Jacob Hollister to compete from Seattle. Um, Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, still the guys in the backfield. Uh, Matt Breida may or may not make the team. We'll see how that kind of goes. He's up against it with... Moss and Singletary being draft picks for this group, and Taiwan Jones offering a lot on special teams. Um, so no, not, not a little, not a lot to really break down on the offense. You know what you're getting. You're, they're going to throw the ball around. They're going to spread it out. They're going to try to run the ball when they can. Uh, then on defense, and let me ask you really quick here. Uh, I've heard a lot about Jake Kumro in the yeah. in the uh, preseason. Do, do we see him as a guy who's going to get? time on the field does he offer any special teams value is he a, is he a lock to make the roster uh, i wouldn't say he's a lock to make the roster but he has two huge things going for him one this team runs four deep a lot four wide receivers on the field more than any other team in the nfl last year so when you do that you need five six seven wide receivers available 
Um, he's not a very big special teams contributor now, um, but the other thing he has going for him, it seems like Josh Allen's a big fan. Uh, talk about him a lot at, and after, after each training camp practice. They like the way he's worked since he's got there. Um, he was joking around the other day about how every every touch, every pass Jake Kumaro caught last year was a touchdown. It, it was one uh, in the season, but you know there definitely seems to be um, a connection there between the two of them in practices. Um, Diggs and, and Sanders have not played a lot. Um, Cole Beasley has not played a lot, so it's allowed some, him to really shine in that role. Um, he's passed Isaiah Hodgins, their draft pick from last year, and you know we'll see in the in the preseason game, the next one, if Kumaro gets a lot more work because he ran with the ones and that was it this last one. Yeah. And then he was done. And uh, yeah, I'll save my next question. Hey, Marquez Stevenson, have we seen any flashes from him? Yeah, I mean he caught a fifty-yard pass to win the game, so pretty good yeah and it, it, throughout camp though i mean has oh, he, yeah. have, have there been flashes throughout camp it's yeah. just look like a guy who's um he's going to make the roster as a draft pick this year we're not going to see a yeah i think he's going to make the team and i think there's two two plans with marquez first of all he he's fast he's they've worked him in on kick returns a little bit um i think i still think that's going to be um isaiah mckenzie's job for now but i think he's going to be worked in on that and i th- i think he's the heir apparent to cole beasley okay um he's in college, he was very good in the slot, and that's something that eventually you're going to – I mean, Cole Beasley's contract over the next two years goes up dramatically, so I think you'll see him cut, and that's that's kind of where you see him getting an opportunity to really hang around. And any word on the offensive line performance um, behind the the starting group here? Uh, do we have any battles up there? Is, is, is Ike Botcher competing with Cody Ford, or is this Cody Ford's job um, – you know, Daryl Williams was great last season, so you know you don't see any movement there. Obviously, uh, Mitch Morris is going to be there. Uh, John Feliciano and anybody competing with him. No, it, the starting five seems pretty locked in. Uh, they love Bacher because he can play all three middle positions, so he's like a great guy to have available. Ryan Bates can play either tackle. Um, the biggest thing is Deion Dawkins had COVID. He, um, he actually just opened up about it. He was in the hospital for a while. Yeah. Um, so he's lost like 20 pounds. He's working on coming back right now. Um, they say he's on target for the start of the season, but he's not going to play at all in the preseason. Right. Uh, doesn't sound like so. Are Spen- we going to get an extended look at Spencer Brown? Well, Spencer Brown played a lot in the first preseason game, um, just like any rookie had his highs and lows. Tommy Doyle looked bad in the yeah. first preseason game, but with a fifth-round pick, I mean, you can't expect everything to work out. So um, it, it'll be interesting. Bobby Hart was awful. Uh, That's not they, good. They signed him from Cincinnati as a backup tackle. I don't think he'll he'll be around. Yeah. And, you know, Forrest Lamp had a lot of promise coming out of college. Uh, then he struggled with injuries and staying yeah. healthy. Um, is this a guy that's going to make this roster? It's going to be interesting because one of the things they like is they like a lot of these guys who have the flexibility. That way they don't have to carry so many old linemen. They can use more um, roster spots for guys on and wide receiver and running back. They, they do yeah. like a lot of variety there and guys that can do different things. So, you know, it, it's one of those things. It's going to be tough for him, but it's nice having him in case somebody does get banged up before the season starts. They have someone with, um, you know, again, a, a guy who th- people thought was going to be a, a, a regular starting player in the NFL for a long time. Absolutely. All right, let's talk about their defense a little bit. Tell me tell me what we got coming up this year. So the defense is pretty much the same except for bringing back Star Latulule, who sat out last season. Um, they're hoping that he can help firm up some of that middle and just clog it up. It seemed like last year, especially in the beginning of the season, they're getting pushed around and people were able to run the ball really well against them. Um, the second half of the season, they, they trimmed it up a little bit with the addition of Justin Zimmer, who, again, in the first preseason game was just an absolute animal. 
Um, so with all that, they've added a ton to the pass rush with Boogie Basham, Gregory Rousseau, F.A. Obata. They brought all these guys in. Um, it's been a, a big thing. How are they going to work these in? Well, they rushed. They had four DNs in um, in the first preseason game all at once. It was like a third and thirteen, and they sent four DNs out there and said, "Get after it." Yeah, I think you know that's become a popular thing in the NFL yeah. now with these speed rush units, and, and they've got enough guys that can do that that'll make it interesting. And, and Russo is a guy who can probably move inside and do some of that stuff too. So um, I, I love that that addition there. Uh, for that defensive front because of his length and and strength and raw athleticism that he carries uh boy he, he could be a fun piece there and you know he showed uh with one really nice rep against Panay Sewell um you know yeah. Sewell, Sewell did his job there you know, it was kind of a a situation where there was pressure up the middle as yep. well that didn't allow the quarterback to step up so it's not quite as flashy as what some people you know want to make it out it wasn't as dominant as people make it up to be because yeah. Sewell you know he did kind of what he should do he there pushed him out. yeah but um it, it's still you can see the length and athleticism of yeah. Russo finishing that with one hand and, yeah, and he got you a know. sack while being, being yeah. blocked it's exactly and that stuff. that's something that you don't get that out of guys who aren't six seven and 280 pounds like yeah. Russo is there there was a stat that um can't remember which beat writer shared but he had 11 pass rush reps he had one sack and three three hurries that's good that's uh you know it's a, obviously it's a great average, rate yeah yeah so if he's able to win you know even half that uh, during the regular season it'll be very exciting um epinesa's put on a bunch of weight again and is looking more stout so we'll see how that works but you can see they've they've done the similar thing uh, we're talking about new england russo epinesa basham they've got a whole bunch of tickets hoping one of these guys hits um, to be a superstar and maybe just a couple really good stuff players so they can move on from the Jerry Hughes, Mario Addisons. I mean, those guys are, are still getting it done to a point, but they're, they're getting up there in age. They're going to have to move on at some point from them. Long in the tooth, if you will. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, so you know, I have a couple questions about the Bills here, and I hope you don't mind me putting you on the hot seat with some of the questions. I haven't been able to follow the Bills camp as closely as I typically do, you know, living in the region. Um, tell me about Boogie Basham's camp so far. What have you heard? So Basham, they've been moving inside and outside a lot. Um, he He's very physical against the run. They, they love the way he plays the run. His pass rush hasn't been as good as Rousseau, and I think Rousseau kind of steals a lot of that spotlight because pass rush is where you make money on the D-line. Yeah. But Basham against the run has just been very good. They're very excited about what he yeah. can do there. And if anything, that that moves him into a spot where maybe he even gets more playing time in early downs compared to Rousseau, who, right. might, who might just be... Um, coming in on third down specialist right now yeah, yeah. Um, Levi Wallace last year early in the season was kind of a scapegoat on the on the team you know yeah. he was he was a target of the fan base and uh, rightfully so at times uh, who's the most likely player on this roster currently to push him for playing time or is it a situation where they're just going to trust Levi Wallace to continue to develop because he did appear as the season progressed to get better yeah so there's no one that that's pushing him for playing time right now, uh, for better or for worse. He, he. The, here's the thing, he's not as good as Trey White, and so I think people expect him to be as good as Trey White. They see Trey White over there doing his thing, and they're like, oh, what's with this guy? He, well, he's still very good. He's an NFL starter, and he should be an NFL starter. He's just not in, makes the big plays all the time. He is going to give up more passes than 
than Trey White, but he tackles amazing against the run. He's where he's supposed to be. Um, and then when you run as much zone as them, you have to be dependable and be where you're at. He yeah. does that very well. So they're very confident in him, and they're like, okay, if he's our weak link, when we have Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde at safety, we can cover up some of that stuff. Yeah. And, and then that's what they do. Um, they've been very happy with uh, DeMar Hamlin, their six-round pick this year at safety. Uh, if you watch the preseason game, he was all over the place. It was crazy. He was making tackles behind the backfield. Uh, he was making tackles 20 yards down the field, just breaking up passes. He was everywhere. Yeah. Um, you know, and you love to see that stuff out of guys that are that are lower round picks like that. And, yeah. and you're like, oh, this is a find right here, man. I can't wait. I'll tell you, one guy who, who stood out to me last season that I was, you know, very, very strong performance, Teron Johnson, uh, you know, as, as a nickel corner uh always seemed to be in the right place i didn't ever i never felt like they were at a disadvantage when uh teron johnson was covering the slot man so it was a it was a really good season for him i thought yeah he got beat up a lot in the in the rams game they kind of picked on they put cooper cup in in the slot a lot and took advantage of it and in the chiefs game the one long pass to tyree kill he started in the slot and johnson was on him uh but those guys are going to beat anybody you put yeah. up against them. So, it, you know, it, and after that Rams game, he was getting a lot of, you know, same thing. A lot of the, the locals were giving him a lot of grief, but it's one of those things. You tip your cap and you move on to the next game. He made two huge plays for the Bills last season. Um, and Pittsburgh had a pick against Pittsburgh, had a big pick six. And obviously the, the big one, the one that will be talked about for 20 years after I'm dead, the pick six in, against Baltimore in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, that's just a play that will – go down in bill's history forever yeah yeah um and the big thing with demar hamlin to get back to him like backup safety the last couple years has been shaky it's been a thing where it's like oh man micah and jordan better not get hurt um so having someone like that uh is very exciting to have somebody that you know you can kind of feel better about now my biggest question mark on this team is uh whether or not tremaine edwards Edmonds takes the step forward that he needs to take uh, as a linebacker at this point in his career. Uh, we had even talked about this off air. I, th- I don't know if we ever discussed it on air, but, you know, somebody with his physical traits and ability, you know, maybe maybe a position change would help him. Yeah. Uh, it seems like, you know, for better or for worse, like you said earlier, this is the guy now, yeah. and he, he's going to have an opportunity here to, to prove that he belongs in that position. Uh, still very young, even though he's entering his third season, right? Fourth season? Yeah, fourth. Fourth season. Um, yeah, he's younger than some rookies that just got drafted. Yeah, crazy it's cr- it's crazy how young this guy was when he was drafted. Yeah. So there was a learning curve. But with Edmonds and, and my criticism of him over the years has been, you know, at times he just he gets lost and, and doesn't uh, put himself in, in the proper positions. Um, is this a guy that is going to take advantage and take a step forward if you had to make a prediction? Or is, do you expect kind of some of the same where he, he makes some mistakes and gets over aggressive and, and – um, make you know what do you what do you really see out of him so he's I mean he's since he started in the league he's always been very good against the pass um, that's one of the reasons they like the combination of him and Milano they're both very good against the pass in space um, Edmonds is long he's quick um, and obviously in zone coverage that's two great uh, tools uh, the problem he's had a lot of times is run fits um, he plays high when he runs in at the old line. Uh, you can't do that even at his size. He's tall. You yeah, know, it's, even, it's yeah. hard to play, not play yeah. high. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of times he'll get, when he gets there, he gets kind of pushed away. 
Um, so that's his biggest thing is, is, is attacking the run a little bit better and, and making more of those. Um, it's one of those other last year start of the season. Uh, you know, he looked out of it. They said he was dealing with a shoulder injury, whatever. If you're out there, you're out there. Um, and then towards the second half of the season, as the Bills defense got picked up the pace, he was a big part of that. Uh, so, it, you know, he's not a liability out there, uh, but there's he leaves plays on the field every game where you're yeah. like, ah, oh, he should that should have been him. He should have filled and, and yeah. made a tackle for loss there. Instead, he overpursued, and there was a little cut. And you know, they made two or three yards out right. of it where he he could have filled that lane. And you know, that that's been my criticism of him as I watch him play. Yeah. You know, you see him, and he he. He it's almost there. like he gets over his skis a little bit. You know what yeah. I mean? He, he gets a little too far. And, and I like the aggression. It's just, you know, the run fit is so important in, in these defenses now. Especially when you're only playing with two linebackers. Yeah. You know, uh, they bring they bring down uh, one of the safeties to the box almost every play. But, you know, it's, it's up to Edmonds and Milano to fill those holes. Um, this team, the one thing that they've done well the last two years is they play complementary football. The offense is going to throw it around and try to score a bunch of points, and the defense is going to make you grind out stuff. If you're yeah. going to score against them, you're going to have to grind out some stuff. There's not going to be big plays. You're not going to be able to throw it all over the place. You're going to have to dink and dunk or, or run the ball, and you're going to have to try to use that method to keep pace with their offense. And, yeah. and that's why it's assembled nicely for them at this point. Um, and I think the, if the pass rush improves – uh, it could be a real scary defense with a secondary. Hey, that's that's been the the story, you know, last year really too. Yeah. Was, you know, they they just weren't getting the pressure that they needed to at times, and uh, you know, quite frankly, some of these teams that that perform well in the playoffs, they find a way to generate pressure. You yeah. know, they, they they protect their passer. They typically they can run the ball too. Um, that was another question mark with this Bills team. Do you see any expected improvement there? No, I don't. I, I mean, you, you have a couple um, young running backs, but I don't think it's just not part of the plan. Um, you know, you're you're going to run the ball a lot less than than most other teams, and I think that hurts running backs sometimes. When you have few touches, you can't get into the field of the game. Yeah. How many how many times have you heard like the best running backs where their first five, six, seven carries they're meh, and then they start ripping off big ones. They have to yeah. get the feel for it, and then so when you're only getting eighteen to twenty running plays. And then you're splitting it. I think that just makes it difficult for these guys to to really get going. And the offensive line, um, last year they went away from the zone scheme they'd done before. Um, I don't know if they're going to return to that or not. It's kind of been a topic for some of the beat writers, uh, whether they'll get back to that and you know create some seams where these two guys who both seem explosive, they're not home run hitters, but they're, uh, you know, Devin Singletary in his two years combined is like, number two in the NFL or 20 yard runs are over. Yeah. Um, you know, he has that explosiveness and Zach Moss is a bit of a, a little more of a thumper, but still is able to break those 10, 12 yard runs. Yeah. So, you know, if you can create seams for them, it seems like they would be able to do it, but they, they went away from the zone scheme a little bit last year. I, I'm, I'm hoping they get back to it. Do you think they'll get more involved in the passing game this year? It's tough to do with all those other options out there. Yeah. Uh, they, they seem to keep them in, um, for, for coverage or for um, pass protection. It seems yeah. to be their big thing. Um, keep Singletary and Moss in, protect Josh Allen's blind side, and let them find one of these wide receivers because they'll, they'll get there if you give them a second. All right. So there you have it, our comprehensive breakdown of the Buffalo Bills. And yeah. I feel like I made Tom sweat over here. I asked him so many questions. But, oh. uh, 
I will, you know I love talking about these guys. Uh, absolutely. Uh, just uh, I felt like I needed to learn a little more about where the Bills are at right now. So, um, guys, uh, another episode in the books. Uh, next week's going to be college football heavy. So if you're a college football fan, please uh, tune in. Um, you know, we're excited about our, our preview, our week zero selections. Um, you know, I, I can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to pick some. Uh, we're each going to pick a couple national title contenders um, and some over-unders, I believe, is on the, I'm all on about the docket it. for the season. So. I'm all about it. All right, guys, uh, that'll wrap up the episode tonight. Uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you all next week.